We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends. I'm so honored to be spending a part of our day together here on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. I don't know about you, but I have had a long-standing relationship with reading and with books. And once in a great while, I come across a book that blows my mind and transforms my life. About 15 years ago, I came across such a book. It is called Coming Home. The Return to True Self. Deepak Chopra has said, Coming Home offers deep insight into the nature of the field of pure potentiality within all of us. From this level, anything can be accomplished and all desire can come true. This book will help all of those who seek fulfillment from the level of being rather than doing. And I know for sure that is what I wanted So I decided to find this author, and I was fortunate enough to be able to connect with her. Her name is Marsha Nelson. I tracked her down and had one session where she not only gave me perspective about my life from a higher altitude, but healed me on a very deep level. She redirected me on my life's journey, and I am immensely and eternally grateful. Marsha Nelson has been referred to as a coach, confidant, and catalyst for change, and I can attest to that. For more than 25 years, Marsha has been providing guidance and supporting people in accessing their confidence, clear purpose, and love of life that can only come from knowing and following one's true self. Marsha helps people reclaim their connection to their true self, the inner source of passion, purpose, and well-being. And she teaches others how to feel profound peace, calm, and happiness, even in the most challenging of circumstances. Marsha is currently working on her new book, The New Feminine Wealth, which presents an empowering and new model of wealth for our times and highlights women who are using their affluence and influence to contribute to the world in a positive and powerful way. Marsha is a coach to high net worth women around the world and is an expert in managing the unique stresses that come with success, wealth, and notoriety. So, Marsha Nelson, I'm so honored to be having this conversation with you. Thank you, Tammy. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm really happy that my book connected us because we've had some wonderful conversations over the years. We really have. I do feel like you are such um, a sister, although I have to admit, I didn't feel that way when I first connected with you. I felt like such a wounded little duckling, and reading your book, again, I, I think it just, it opened my mind to a new way of thinking, a new way of being, and just right off the bat, I want you to give out your website, so if this is resonating for anybody, they can get on your site and start to check you out a little bit. So can you share okay. that, Marsha? Sure. It's easy. It's MarshaNelson.com. Perfect. (laughs) So yeah, you're easy to find. You make yourself accessible. And I I really um, appreciated that about you. I didn't have to search too far to connect with you. And again, that session gave me so much insight um, about me and my life from a much higher perspective. And it gave me a deep sense of hope and a bit of understanding of my deepest purpose. And 
it really did put me on a different trajectory in my life. I really was seeking fame and fortune and notoriety. And I just kind of been kicked to the curb by my famous fiance. And you told me it was time for me to go into the world of subtleties. And I really didn't love that, I have to say. But (laughs) it was exactly what my soul wanted and needed. And now I feel I have partnered with my soul and reemerged into the world in a much more solid and empowered way. So I'm just so grateful for that session and for your insight and for your gifts. Well, you know, you said something really important there. You weren't happy to hear the suggestion that you go into the world of subtleties. Subtlety is such an important word because all of the greater well-being, all of the joy, the happiness, the peace, the inner peace that we want is more subtle than the strong emotions that we relate to on a day-to-day basis. You know, like we're so conditioned that the greater the sensation in our emotion, the truer the emotion is. The the more we feel like jumping up and down because we're so happy, then the happier we are. Or the more we feel excitement about what's going to happen or, you know, any take any emotion that we think we like to feel and our culture tells us that the more cranked up it is, the truer and more real it is. And in fact, the opposite is true. It, in fact, if it's cranked up, it's more superficial. If it's more subtle, it's really coming from a deeper level. The deeper we yeah. go into ourselves, the more subtle the experiences are. That's where true, gentle joy lives. That's where mm. true soft well-being lives. That's where true, subtle pleasure lives. And when we're there, we're in a state of balance and we feel lovely well-being in a way that we cannot access when we're chasing the stronger sensations of emotion. These are the, yeah, uncon- so these are the unconditional traits of well-being and, and they live inside us at that subtle level. Yeah, and I know at that point in my life, I didn't understand that that gentleness and equanimity and peace was really what I was seeking. Um, and you had told me in a way that I really comprehended it. You thought if I had this really big, bold life, I would finally feel alive. But um, that wasn't the case. It was going into this world of subtleties. And I started, after my conversation with you, I started checking out some different courses. I got into the world of polarity balancing and cranial sacral, which truly is the world of subtleties. And I do feel like that supported me in tapping into my intuition to spirit and and that just a place of grace and magic and gentleness within. Because it isn't out there. It is in here. The kingdom of heaven is within and it was um, it was all perfect. Everything was perfect for my my soul's growth. And so um, di- didn't you feel that when you went inward to to those subtleties and through the healing work you've just des- described, that worlds opened to you that you wouldn't have been able to access in any other way? Oh yes. It, it's 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 sparkly. It's magical. You know, I had such frustration with planet Earth because it didn't seem. It seemed harsh and it did not seem like there was much magic here. And now I see the world through completely different eyes. And there is so much magic, so much love here. And I never would have known that if I would have gotten what my personality thought that it wanted. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it, on that person, the personality level where we're outer focused and we're high sensation focused, and mm-hmm. like you said, want, we need, we're chasing something so that we can feel alive and so we can feel good and safe and successful. Um, that search turns into the need to always keep going for the next carrot, always keep mm-hmm. going for the next experience that's going to make us feel better. And the problem with that is those are all adrenaline-driven experiences. The stronger the sensations of emotion are in our body, the more they are adrenalized. And one thing that is true about adrenaline is it always drops. It always You're going to crash. It's almost like a drug. Yeah, so we, it cannot be maintained. It is not unconditional. It is conditional. It's related to this is what's happening right now. She or he is saying that they love me, so I am happy and I feel buoyant and oh, I'm so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And then, then the adrenaline drops. And then it's like, oh, I've lost that feeling. Okay, what do I do to get it back? Or I'm successful. I got this uh, great client or, you know, had got this great promotion or my business, my company is doing wonderfully. And then the adrenaline is going to drop out of that. And then we think, oh, something's wrong. Okay, now I have to achieve the next level. And it Mm -hmm. puts us on a, a treadmill where and this you know there are so many women who are doing wonderful things in the world running wonderful businesses or you know following their heart's calling even and they keep being disappointed because they don't realize when the adrenaline drops they're going to always feel like they're not with where they want to be if they're relying on that adrenalized feeling to define their success. So they chase one thing after another and really just wear themselves into the ground and burn out. And my concern is now, you know, as a baby boomer, I'm seeing so many women my age starting to get serious illness. And I think really the more that we're able to find that inner well-being, that subtle, unconditional state of various types of well-being and use that as the base of our life, we stop, we get off that treadmill and our body heals and we're not so vulnerable to serious illness and even accidents. That's true. Disease is unease. So it's about becoming at ease within ourselves. Something else I'm hearing you say is that the personality has a voracious appetite and that's not what really feeds us, feeding our personality and letting it have its way. We need our personality to be in service to our soul, not the other way around. So how okay. do we heal that split? I know that's something you talk a lot about in your book, Coming Home. You talk about the split between the personality and true self. How can we get those to be uh, coming maybe more into alignment or become more congruent? I have a a different view of the personality than I hear almost everybody talking about. The the personality, of course, is the ego. And I I don't use the word ego because it gets such a bad rap. I mean, when do you ever hear anybody say anything nice about the ego, especially (laughs) if they're coming from a spiritual perspective? But I like to say nice things about the ego. So so it is, I'm going to define it as simply that aspect of ourself that developed in response to the cultural consciousness around us and our need to survive in the physical world. Excellent. And 
My gosh, thank goodness we have a part of ourselves that cares so much about our well-being and our survival that it formed specifically for that duty. And it's outdated in most of us. That's the problem. The ego maybe was formed in a family where we were not seen for the greater being that we are. We were not seen in our spiritual truth. We were not seen with unconditional, sustained unconditional love, sustained perception of our greater purpose and that kind of thing. Um, so for us to we had to we had to adapt. We had to be like the others we were with so we wouldn't be rejected or wouldn't be alone and isolated. But now I think the thing to do with our ego or our personality is to be kind to it, to be compassionate, mm-hmm. to give it that unconditional love and well being. I have a um little exercise I call sweet me that's in coming home. And in a nutshell we just, when we're, we have that, you know what that discomfort in the ego feels like, that unease, something's wrong, I can't do anything about it, I'll never be enough, so-and-so harmed me, oh, I feel guilty about what I did, or, you know, all those things we torture ourselves with in, internally. Um, to just stop and say silently, inwardly, sweet me. Sweet me to that part of our personality that is suffering, because it is suffering. Mm-hmm. It really, it does. It, it's a painful, painful experience. And, and you do talk about this in your book about how we, when we abandon ourselves, it creates um, pain and suffering and anguish. And I like something. Here's a quote. You have so many good ones in your book. I'm going to be quoting you a lot this week on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Living is the act of surrendering to and exploring the life you already have. Learning to love yourself in the midst of all your creations. I mean, it is coming, it does come down to loving ourselves no matter what and having compassion for ourselves. And I think what you're saying with that, that simple, simple exercise, sweet me, it is, it's about settling into that place of compassion and gentleness that we all desire and deserve. And how many times, yeah. And how many times do we think to give that to ourselves? We're so conditioned to think about what's wrong with us and what's wrong with others and what's wrong with life and what's wrong with God. And how can I get what I need from someone outside of me to make me feel better about myself? That's right. And that's the, that's the ego. That's the personality. And I say there's nothing wrong with it, but it needs love. It needs compassion. So sweet me. Of course, I'm suffering there. Sweet me while I suffer. So compassion becomes self-love. And self-love is the most healing thing we can give ourselves. And just as love, pure unconditional love is the most healing thing we can give to someone else. But it has to start in us or it can't really emanate through to love for others. Mm. As long as we're, we, we are very conditional in our acceptance versus rejection of ourselves, mm-hmm. um, we're conditional in how we love and treat others. When we are able to be unconditionally self-loving, our body, our energy field surrounding us is the first location that receives the vibrations of love. Love emanates outward. That's its nature. So it goes through our body, through our energy field that surrounds us. We're bathed in love and it emanates automatically 
out into the world as unconditional love for others. Mm-hmm. But it has to start in ourselves. If we try to be unconditionally loving with others first or more than we are with ourselves, we cannot sustain it because it isn't coming from a natural emanation from us, through us, out to them. Uh, and a lot of people yeah, don't I mean, know if that. We're, yeah, if we're in judgment of ourselves, how can we give unconditional love to others? Yeah. And I see, you know, my, my, I work primarily with women. I certainly work with men, but women just happen to be the ones that call me or come to my workshops and retreats and so on. And what I see, I, I bristle every time I hear somebody tell a group of women in a talk, you need to really be loving and generous to others. That's how you'll be successful. Because women already give to others more than they give to themselves, and that's part of why they are worn out wrecks. They are, you cannot sustain, it takes effort to give to others something you're not giving to yourself. And sooner or later, it just wears down our circuitry. And we've been conditioned to do it. There's nothing wrong with anyone who recognizes themselves in what I'm saying. Um, but it is crucial to be able to recognize that depletion that happens from that giving that does not come from giving to yourself first. And it requires that women be willing to face that demeaning voice in themselves that says, well, if I give to myself first, that's selfish. Mm -hmm. And I would like to change that and support everyone in changing that conditioning to when I give to myself first, it's good self-care. And it revives me and sustains me so that my natural emanation of love for others can make it through my own field and be unconditional and be a permanent part of who I am. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I know um, giving to others before really taking care of ourselves and putting ourselves at the top of the list is almost like you're giving from the bottom of the well. It can be like sludgy and muddy and we can't give the best of ourselves unless we give to ourselves and nurture ourselves and care for ourselves first and foremost. Well put. Yeah. And it yeah, feels most of like us trying. learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And most of us who have learned it have learned it the hard way because yeah. the culture doesn't teach that to us yet. And as I say, even people who are brilliant on the spiritual perspective are still telling women to give to others, they're not giving enough, they're not being selfless enough and, un, you know, unconditional enough, but they're not telling them to start with themselves, to put their own spiritual oxygen mask on first and be the most truly loving and caring to self. Find out what you really need, who you really are, sweet me, no matter what my flaws, quote unquote, are, no matter what I don't like about myself, no matter what negative things other people tell me, I'm going to commit to being loving and caring of myself and I'm going to start there. And from there, as I get filled with enough love, the love I've always needed and never really got, then I trust that I will automatically start changing the parts of me that have been living from the ego, who have been living from insufficient, an insufficient place of rootedness in true self, spirit, the source of all genuine and unconditional love and well-being. So beautiful. So beautiful. Something else you talk about that I think was very helpful for me and continues to be as far as cultivating 
self-love. It's um, really the choice, the conscious choice to start to identify with our perfection rather than our flaws. Because at the deepest level, we really are perfect. And even if we do make mistakes, on the deepest level, we're perfect and we deserve our self-love. So to identify with our perfection. Because we're so much more than the things that we do that we or others feel bad about. Or we're so much more than what our ego is, which is limited. It's very, very limited. And if we identify that we're our ego, we're going to always feel like we're not enough or we're going to feel shame in who we are. But that perfection you're talking about, that is the truth in our true self, in the spirit that we are, in our essence. That is pure spirit. It is pure beauty. It is pure love. It is pure everything that we think we want. It already is, but it's very subtle. It's a whisper, not a shout. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that perfection is already there. So to, to be curious about that perfection, how am I already perfect? How am I already more loving than I'm giving myself credit for deep down? How am I already more connected to others from my heart than I've been letting myself realize or than, or that more so than other people maybe around me who aren't so supportive see, you know, we've all had, we have all had people in our lives who did not see us for who we truly were deep down and therefore were not supportive of us and gave us negative reflections of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, our perfection exists at a level within ourselves that is deeper and more real than that. Mm-hmm. And I think just to open our mind to that, it's such a great place to start because, you know, being human is clumsy and we are <laughs> going to make mistakes. And to continue to beat ourselves up or identify with those things isn't really going to support us in manifesting the life that we, we truly want from the deepest level. You know, self-forgiveness, I know that's something you talk about too, to be able to forgive ourselves for any perceived um, mistakes, to be able to relinquish the judgment and go, you know what, on the deepest level, I am good, I am love, I am perfect. To really identify with that, I think can begin to transform our lives immediately. Yes, because we're so used to identifying with our ego and what we think is wrong with us or what others think is wrong with us or insufficient. And We've done that our whole lives. If that was going to make us happy, if that was going to make us whole, then we'd be happy and whole by now. So that's Mm -hmm. not the place in ourselves to identify with and to Mm -hmm. be more interested in. The place to identify with and to be really interested in and curious about is that place where we are more than we thought and where we are perfect, where our spiritual essence is embracing us all the time. Now, that's, all the time. that's mm-hmm. something to be curious about. That's something to be interested about. That's something to learn more about. And in fact, that's something you want to seek out friends that can talk to you about. You want to oh, seek yeah. out new people. Now, I'll just say blatantly, there's nobody I can go to in my immediate family to be seen at that level. And I mm-hmm. know a lot of people can relate to that. And yet, how how hard have we tried to get love and acceptance and positive reflection from those people who don't see us? Mm-hmm. So a real turning point, a real point, I think, of personal maturity and spiritual maturity is, and self-care maturity is to turn and look for new people who maybe could be friends, 
or choosing in a romantic partner or um, in groups to join where there are people who really are interested in the greater parts of who we are, what's wonderful about us. And, yeah, and, and I think when that. we're ready for that, they can show up. When the student's ready, the teacher can appear. When you open your mind to that possibility and surrender any attachment to what things have to look like and who has to love you, you turn a different direction and doors open in ways you could never have predicted or anticipated or forced into being. Yeah. And I think I think not. It's not just that the teachers appear. I think the teachers are always there, but we're just we're ready for them. Yeah, yes. we're ready. We can see them, and we need to want it. We need to be curious and yes. interested in that part of ourselves, that self-loving, true self place where we are perfect. And it doesn't mean we like everything we've done in our lives. It's not that. It's that we recognize underneath that deeper than the level at which we took those actions, deeper than that level in ourself, there's a greater being that we truly are. It's our true self. And that is the place to be curious and interested. And that's the place to relate to like-minded people from. Mm. Yes, to become curious about your perfection. And I think, again, yeah, you open to that curiosity. It's going gonna, it's gonna to transform your life. It's, it, mm-hmm. it can't not transform Mm -hmm. your life. So something else you talk about that I think is so profound, this is a quote, attachment is anything the personality mistakes for true Mm well-being. So to be able to surrender our attachments and turn our face more directly to our soul, our soul self, our perfection. I just take a deep breath. (laughs) That feels really good. (laughs) Well, you know, that it's an interesting thing that we think and this, this happens at the personality level or the ego level. And this is where the ego is really trying to be good to us. We think, it thinks that any, everything we want is something we need to achieve or we need to gain or we need to get. And the ego is always outer focused. Its first place of looking is outside of what we identify as ourself, out into the world or to other, anything identified as other. So it tries and it tries and it tries and it's coming from a good place. It's trying to do, do right by us. But, so, yes. it, but it's, it's trying always to get something that is a smaller version of part of the deep well-being that is already our greater truth within ourselves, but we don't yet know how to find it in its subtlety. And I, I love that that's your intention to support people in manifesting that. So we're going to go to break, Marsha and my listeners, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the compelling subject of prosperity and Marsha's new project. And Marsha, you think everybody can manifest prosperity, don't you? Absolutely. So hang on. If you want more prosperity in your life, hang on. Marsha Nelson's going to share some more wisdom. We'll be right back. License and registration. But I'm walking. Do you want to upset an officer of the law? No, sir. Good. I pulled you over today for littering. Uh, I didn't litter. (laughs) Wow. That's what they all say. Unfortunately, I saw you drop a pair of thunder thighs a few blocks back. Probably happened as you were biting into that apple you're holding. Uh, How'd you know they're my thunder thighs? Well, my young friend, I'd like to say two years, and the police academy helped figure it out. But between us, 
It was smallstep.gov. Smallstep.gov. Yep, Rooney. It's this site with tons of easy ways to lose weight. Some steps are so easy, people don't realize they're doing them. Like you taking small step number 83, snack on fruits. Go to smallstep.gov, you'll see. You can drive off now. I'm still walking. Take a small step to get healthy at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. There's a place where a total stranger will give their blood to save your life. There's a place where someone you never knew will save your child from drowning. A place where people will give you food and shelter after a flood. There's a place where, when you need it most, someone will reach out their hand, put it across your shoulder and say, everything's going to be okay. That place is called America, where we look out for each other. And it's up to us to keep it that way. When you help the American Red Cross, you help America. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org today. This is the story of a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dinky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find which classes he really needed. You missed the lesson on telling dragons from dragonflies. Right. Um, I want to go to college, so I'm taking Algebra 2, Biology, and a Foreign Language. Foreign Language? You mean so you can talk to unicorns? Well, not exactly. Unless they're French. But Larry had no time for unicorns, or even for Miss Petunia Tutia's time-traveling tutorial, which met every other yesterday at 25 o'clock. Sorry I'm late. My snorkball game went into overtime. And he knew knowhowtogo.org was way better than hoping for a snorkball scholarship. So, while his friends all aced invisibility, when Larry finally got to college, they were nowhere to be seen. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends. So happy to be hanging out with you here today on Journey to Center. We are also spending some quality time with my friend, Marsha Nelson. Marsha, thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to the second half of our conversation. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps because this is one of my favorite subjects to discuss. So if, if Marsha's resonating for you, I just want to give you her website again, MarshaNelson.com. You can get more Marsha if you'd like there. And um, I know I want more Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> we, I want more Marsha. We all want more of who we truly are, and we're programmed to want that. Uh, you keep giving me goosebumps. You got such such great wisdom, such great way of articulating truth. So I am so, so, so excited about talking about prosperity and abundance and something you say about abundance. It's not something to get. It's something to receive. It's unconditionally present and available to all. So let's talk about this this seemingly elusive subject of prosperity. So many people apparently don't get it because so many people seem to be struggling mm-hmm. with with jobs, with money, with career, with finances. So let's let's get into this let's sink our teeth into this subject 
Well, you know, I'd like to start with something you already said. You said, I love to talk about prosperity and abundance. As you said that, your energy was flowing. I felt the delight and the pleasure in you about talking about prosperity and abundance. Mm -hmm. That is the place to start. I talk to so many women who cannot allow themselves to have that joy and pleasure when talking about prosperity and abundance. It's like, well, no, I shouldn't really want it too much. That means I'm, I only want money or that means I don't care about other people or uh, somehow there's so much shame about wanting or liking, enjoying is really the word I'm looking for, about enjoying prosperity and abundance. And whatever happens in our body and in our energy as we think and talk about prosperity and abundance, is what emanates out into the world and creates our experience. Mm. So if we, if we want prosperity and abundance and we're saying, oh, I want it, I never <laughs> get it, I want it, I don't know, and we feel defeated as we're thinking about it, that supports situations of prosperity defeat to keep occurring. And we, we all know women who work really hard and do all the right things and things don't work out or they get money and they lose it or they get a wonderful home and then they lose it. Things, it's, it's a perpetual cycle. It's that treadmill we were talking about before, a different version. But when we feel, when we can condition ourselves to feel true enjoyment when we're thinking about what we want, when we're thinking and talking about prosperity and abundance, and we surround ourselves with people who get it and who support us and say, yes, tell me about that, and they enjoy the conversation as well, then our energy is clearer. It's shifted, and we automatically are drawn toward circumstances and people that support our prosperity and abundance, and we're automatically aligned within ourselves to make the decisions that are going to increase our prosperity and abundance in ourselves as well. So then it's more a matter of receiving it, not struggling to create it somewhere outside ourselves to compensate for the fact that we're not feeling it or don't think we should feel it within ourselves. Yes. And there's something that I just love about your platform, your teachings, which is truth, truest truth, is uh, creating our life from the level of being rather than doing. And if we can settle into that space of knowing our value, we, we attract things without efforting. And mm-hmm. I have really loved creating my life from this space because everything you've said about how you meet some women that have, you know, are conflicted about money, I've been that girl. I've been that girl and I've opened my mind to other ways of being because I wanted a different experience. And um, things did shift when I decided I wanted to be good, good friends with money. I wanted to love it. I want to respect it. I want to enjoy it. I want to share it and I want to receive it graciously. And that, that is my life now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And how did you get there? Well, it's been a process. <laughs> First, opening my mind to that possibility. And, you know, another really big piece of the puzzle for me was knowing I deserved it without having to prove anything, without having to effort so hard, just to be able to relax and receive it graciously, appreciatively. That seemed to have shifted some of the experiences in my outer life. 
And and Marsha, I know you've you've journeyed along this path. You haven't always been super affluent and successful. How no, did I, you get to this place? Yeah, I, <laughs> I struggled. As you know, my book Coming Home starts with my story where I was a workaholic, a business owner with two other women, and I loved my business, but I was really wearing myself into the ground. And I had an epiphany one day when for the first time I heard that inner voice uh, from true self that said, you have to stop all the work you're doing or you are going to die in 20 years from cancer or in 10 years from an accident. And I knew in every cell in my body, every cell in my body recognized that what that voice was saying was true. And it wasn't saying it in a, in a threatening way. It was just saying it at, in a, actually a very gentle way as something I needed to know because it, I think it took that knowing for me to be able to, to change my course. And um, I felt in the core of my being, even though those words were really upsetting to my personality and I started crying and wailing, it was just, I mean, so, so upsetting to my personality. At the same time, in my core, there was pure calm, pure well-being, unconditional love, all was well and undisturbed in the core of my being. And that is the state of true self. That was my first direct experience with it. So for the next few years, I did go and I, 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 I got out of my business and went into sort of free, what I called free fall for a couple of years. I thought in my workaholic mindset, well, I'll just take two or three months off and then I'll get a job in a corporation because I love business. And I didn't. It just ne- I just didn't have the energy to do that. But what I did was listen every day and consult with my true self and ask questions. And I got reparented with unconditional love. I was told the things that were perfect and lovely and wonderful about me that I didn't even know about. And my flaws, so to speak, the things that I was doing that were problematic for me and for other people that I thought were bad or others thought were bad, I was told exactly how those were attempts to do something good for myself and others, but they were too limited because they were coming from my ego, so of course they weren't working. The personality can't see very far. And so I I was taught how to see with that more expansive view, and, and, and that gave me that, that ability to view myself with self-love and to see what the bigger picture was and to value who I was, not based on my behavior, but based on the fact that at that deeper level, true self, we are infinitely valuable, all of us. And just being rooted there, just having our attention, our awareness rooted there and coming from there as we go through our daily life transforms everything. Um, and that, that's what it took for me to be able to feel receptive to good coming to me and to feel deserving of abundance. It's, we never deserve it because of what we do. We deserve it because who we are is unlimited love and well-being, and we are connected to all things and all beings. So it is natural and normal that all types of goodness should flow through us, to us and through us. That's our innate, true nature. So when I aligned with that, things definitely shifted. Yes. And I, I love what you say. This is totally my my 
core belief, what manifests in our world comes directly from our sense of self. Outer abundance can't occur until we have a sense of inner abundance. Mm-hmm. And, and I love something you're sharing here. I'm glad you're touching on this. You turned inward and started listening to a deeper, higher, wiser part of yourself. And this is something anyone can do, right? Now, are you talking about meditation or how, how was your process in regards to really cultivating a relationship with your, your soul self? This is a really important question. This is what people always want to know. And this is one of the things I do with my coaching clients because it's so pivotal. Each person's way of hearing that inner guidance from true self, it's, it's intuition of the deepest level and it is, can be different. My way was, because it came to me in words, I would sit, just sit quietly for a few minutes and then I would ask questions because a lot was bothering me then. You can imagine I just quit from, I just left my company that I had been running for years and loved, but I wasn't able to handle it. You know what I mean? I, was, I, I couldn't run it without being a, a workaholic. That's why I had to leave it. Most people do not have to do that, I want to say. That you can extreme. listen to your true yes. self, and m- most often you are not going to be taught to just walk away from your source of walk income. Walk away from your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what it took for me. Yeah, scary. Um, yeah. And... Uh, so I, I listen every day. I would ask questions. My life seems like it's falling apart. This can't be right. Am I crazy? Am I going to be a bag lady? Um, what are other people going to think? What are, you know? All these questions. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I just listened, took some breaths, and then I just let myself talk out loud. I intended for it to come from that inner source that I met you know, initially. And I just started talking out loud and I tape recorded it. And I had this agreement with myself that I could just talk, say whatever came to me. And then later I would listen to the recording and decide what felt accurate and what didn't. Mm -hmm. What I learned, and this is the second really important thing right behind, you know, everybody has their own way and it might be the same as mine. It might be different. The second thing, really important, anything that's true, will be said with pure love and kindness and will leave you feeling better about yourself and your place in the world, not worse. So people always say, well, I can't tell. Is it just my critical self telling me I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I'm wrong? That's always the personality or the ego. It's doing its best. It wants to help, so it leaps in. But it cannot see the bigger picture. Our personality or ego cannot give us that in, the information we need to be living from a deeper place. It has to be from true self, that unlimited spirit that already is there. So it's mm-hmm. all the truth, at deeper truth, 100% of the time comes with love and increases our sense of well-being in the message itself. Really important to know. Yeah, and you said something earlier that I have found to be my experience as well. That voice can often whisper. It is the still small voice. It's not the the loud thoughts that come in immediately. It's like allowing the monkey mind to relax and then listening to the deeper, quieter um, information. And my experience has been just that, that it is always loving and kind and gentle and compassionate. But I, I often have to get quiet to really hear it. 
Yeah, have to be quiet. And then with experience, um, you know, it becomes easier to hear mm-hmm. and you recognize it. Um, and I, I, I did an unusual thing. I think I asked after uh, a couple of weeks, I asked my true self, because I was speaking it out loud, I said, please, anything that's coming from true self, have it be in a slightly different voice so I know what it is. And anything coming from my personality's normal thoughts, have it be just my regular voice because that's how I'm used to speaking that. Mm -hmm. And instantly that happened. I didn't have to effort, you know, and, um, you know, when I worked with you years ago and I went into that true self state to see and to talk with you and give you information, my voice was a little bit different Mm -hmm. when I was coming from that state. And that's why it's not because that's, it's just why I asked for that so that instantly my personality would know, oh, that's coming from true self, so I don't have to keep worrying. Is this coming from the true self? Is this? Is this? Is this? It just was clear and easy. And now, you know, it's been, a, uh, gosh, that was 1984, that initial experience happened for me. You know, it's decades later. Now when I shift into that deeper place and speak just from there, there's really not much difference at all. You might or might not notice it because it's more integrated into me when I'm, it's just more integrated. It's not so, such a separate experience. Right. And, and you know it, you trust it. So you don't need that real, uh, very different kind of voice and experience. You, you are discerning as to what, what's going on. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's just yeah. practice, you know. I think, yeah. I think what you're saying is and just so, practice. Some people do get, but going back to your initial question, some people do better if they sit and they meditate. Just doing meditation and asking, I mean, just sitting and following your breath. That's all I mean by doing meditation. There are other ways to do meditation, but just sitting and just gently noticing your breath. That's all. That's profound presence. And it feels like nothing. But you just ask for your true self or whatever your term for it is, God within or whatever, to guide you. And you can ask them questions, and it's like dropping pebbles in a pond. You let them just fall in and you let them go. Answers may come to you in that moment the way they came to me through words, or you might feel like you're getting nothing. But later that day or later that week, somebody says something to you and you know that's the answer. You know your body just rings with the truth of it. Um, or you might, if you're an artist, you might just paint and it will, the answers will come, it come to you as you're painting. There's all kinds of ways the answers come and each person has to find out what their own is. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's just, I think, turning inward with the intention to cultivate a relationship with that deeper, wiser, or maybe higher aspect of oneself, however you want to state it. Because, and again, I think that is where true prosperity comes from. At the very core of all of us, we are linked to the source of creativity and prosperity. But if we're busy doing, we're not really going to be tapping into that. We're, we're too busy doing. And I think that's something our society definitely um, tells us we should, it perpetuates that notion of, of being doing beings rather than human beings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, it's so important to continue the practice. When mm-hmm. I work with my coaching clients now, I mostly work with individuals for a year so that that year can be the turning point in their life and the rest of their life can go down the true self path where there's increasing prosperity, whatever that is to them, love, money, uh, ability to live out their life purpose, 
there, there are many spokes on the wheel of prosperity and abundance. Mm-hmm. And we all want a balance that fits us personally. We don't you know, want to have to fit any other mold than our own true mold. But I work with them for a year at a time because then that true self-awareness gets and, and sourcing from true self gets integrated into their life just as, you know, my true self uh, sessions, uh, the, my true self got inter- integrated into me enough that my voice could go back to normal. And that's what we want. We want integration of this yes. source into our life so that abundance of well-being at all levels is natural for us. And we are filled from within, and we also then are freed to really be our loving, kind, connected self with others and to fulfill our life purpose and to feel comfortable and supported at the tangible, physical, and financial ways in our lives. Mm, sounds like heaven on earth to me. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty great. And so here's, another can... great, here's another great quote from your book. It's your experience of self that determines what you create in your life. When you allow yourself to remember your true self, feel your deepest desires and receive goodness, so much more can come to you. Your life becomes richer. Yeah. Have you found that to be true? Oh, yeah. Yeah, once I just decided, you know, it was because I I did meditate. I did try to listen within um, because running around like a chicken with my head cut off wasn't really all that effective or satisfying um i started (laughs) however it is a very popular tactic (laughs) it is popular i see people do it all the time i'm like wow you need to relax (laughs) but that's something i really really got when i would listen to that still small voice what do i do and it would say relax but what do i do relax (laughs) i was like but what do i do i have to pay my bills relax. (laughs) And it's actually been much more effective than my logical mind would have anticipated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The opportunities show up, the clients show up, the, you know, the, the money shows up in ways that I could have never made happen from that level of doingness. And now I, I got that, um, just receive all things with gratitude and with appreciation and just trust, trust the process. You know, and I have really relaxed into this space and I work with, you know, all kinds of people as well. And it's like, it's not about what we do. It's about how we are and the intentions behind it. And I think when the intentions are motivated by self-love and knowing our value, then then it really affects our world in a very positive and prosperous way on all levels. Mm-hmm. That's why I f- focus so much on when I talk so much about inner well-being, because mm-hmm. when we're grounded in that true self, inner well-being, and, and well-being is the natural state there. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it cannot be disturbed. It's unconditional. All, it's like the, the bottom of the ocean, and the, it's not disturbed by the storms that are way up on the surface. It's the eye of the storm. It's the journey to center. <laughs> yeah. And, and when we have rootedness in that well-being, which, as you, you know, found in our initial conversation years ago, can be disappointingly subtle in the mm-hmm. beginning, which actually, mm-hmm. as you get used to it, translates to uh, 
easy. It's very easy, which is becomes uh, good news and a relief. But when we can create that connectedness to our true self and therefore our true self well-being, we're in a state of well-being there. It's very close to our awareness and automatically then outer circumstances that match well-being start forming in our lives. And that's mm-hmm. the point then where we simply receive we receive, yes. we receive. So we, we not create, I was going to say create it within, but it's already there. We mm-hmm. create our connection to it within ourselves. And when we're used to it there, it automatically creates itself externally and we receive it. Our outer life matches some level at which we're leaving, living internally. And I think that can be both the most disappointing, but also the most empowering news that what Our outer lives match some way that we're living internally, that we're experiencing ourselves internally. Yeah, I mean, Buddha said it, outer reality is a reflection of inner reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a manifest a manifestation of our minds. So, and something else you're saying, you know, it feels so accurate and true. Water is always going to find its own level. It, it just is. So when we take responsibility for our inner reality, outer reality has to shift and transform. It can't be any other way. But we, we have to give ourselves permission to have that, that quiet time. And for me, nature you know, has been so, I thought I was a city mouse. Marsha, I'm a country mouse. <laughs> You're a Isn't country that what you mouse. found? Isn't that what happened to you? I'm a country girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, you know, as you, since you read that my story and coming home, you saw that the next thing after I left my business, and don't worry, everybody, this doesn't necessarily have to happen to you. But I realized I had to leave. I had to leave the city because it didn't fit me. I was starved for the color green. And it took a few months before I suddenly knew. It came to me in a, in a light meditation the place where I I needed to move to. Uh, And so I drove up here, took a look around, bought a house that first afternoon and moved up here. And I've been, I've been here since I'm in the very same house and I'm looking out across the street to the very same pasture of cows and looking out my backyard to the same hill of trees and pines. And there's, and there's, you know, it's just, it's me, it's nature. I'm a nature girl. So that's another thing that happens when you connect with your true self. You automatically become less tolerant of the circumstances in your life that are violating your true nature and aren't nourishing you, and you become drawn to the circumstances that support your well-being, that match your well-being. So I would say to listeners, if you're facing a change in your life and you think you're not welcoming it, but it's happening to you, take a few breaths. Just assume your breath is taking you into your true self. Just assume it and ask, is there a way in which this is guiding me to something I deeply need? And just ask that question once a day or something. And I bet an answer will come to you at some point and you'll realize this is guiding me to something I deeply need. And I'm experiencing a loss of what I thought I needed and wanted, but there's something deeper and better that matches me at the level of who I truly am that's waiting for me and I'm being guided to it. Mm. Doing that makes that transition a sacred transition. Yes. And to live that soul centered life. I mean, to me, that's really, that's heaven on earth. And it is funny because when you did that first session for me, I was in the middle of Los Angeles and I never in a million years would have thought I'm going to move to Idaho and have 
ducks and geese and, you know, <laughs> wild herons, blue herons running around. It's just, it blows my mind. But I have to tell you, I'm so peaceful and my life is so filled with grace and ease and gentleness and joy and prosperity of the deepest and highest order. And, um, yeah, I'm a believer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still love Los Angeles, but when I go back there in a little while, it's like, I need to get back to my sacred space. Not to say your sacred space isn't Los Angeles. It could very well be your big city. Yeah. Um, for some people it is for sure. Yeah. Probably for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, or w- they wouldn't be so populated. But, um, yeah, there's no one way. It's just allowing your soul to take the steering wheel in your own life. To me, that's, that's when the magic can start to happen. Absolutely. Marsha, this has been such an honor and a pleasure and a privilege. I just, my heart is just expanded in, in just love and appreciation for you right now. So thank you. And thank you, Brian. I know you don't feel good. So sending you big hugs and lots of light. And my listeners, yeah, just uh, turn inward. Listen to that sweet me voice within and uh, prepare for miracles. So take care of yourself. God bless. Onward and upward. Bye for now.